Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to sunrise on this great day. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today to worship Him, to just to be in community together, to have our voices sing together to Him. We're going to bring joy in this place today. Um, yeah. It's my, it's my hope and my prayer today that as we sing, as we pray, as we listen to God's Word today, that um, it's not just another Sunday. It's not just another time of singing the songs that we sung maybe 10 or 15 times now, some of us, uh, but that we'll really focus on the words that we're saying, that, um, that we really ask God to, to speak, and that we'll open our ears to hear Him this morning and just encounter His presence. So why don't you guys stand with us as we bring joy in this place, as we sing to God this morning. Yeah, we worship. Cause we worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who forevermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging seas. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet as we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. So we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. Here we go. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Cause we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We're going to sing it again. We're the beggars. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Here we go, there's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. Yes, we shout out your praise. There is joy in this house. There is joy in this house today. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. 
the cross you crucified all my sin and shame it was washed by your mercy you are the treasure i find oh my reason for living so let my life become an offering to the one who is worthy all praise to the lord most high all praise to the one who saved my life all praise to jesus christ my king of heaven my king forever the gates of my heart the veil in between was torn apart now you hold the keys to the grave cause you bring things to life and you roll stones away and all praise to the Lord most high all praise to the one who saved my life all praise to Jesus Christ, my King of heaven, my King forever. And all praise to the Lord most high. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ, my King of heaven, my King forever. up lay my whole life down my whole life down before you and i live my hands up lay my whole life down my whole life now is for you i live my hands up lay my whole life down my whole life down before you I live my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life now is for you, yes. And I live my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life down before you. And I live my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life now is for you. To the Lord most high, all praise to the one who saved my life, all praise to Jesus Christ, my King of heaven, my King forever, all praise to the Lord most high, all praise to the one who Jesus Christ, my King of heaven, my King forever. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down, my whole life down before you. And I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down, my whole life now is for you. All praise to the Lord most high All praise to the one who saved my life All praise to Jesus Christ My King of heaven, my King forever So praise you, Jesus
creation suddenly articulates with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be magnified Were the whole earth echoing his eminence his name would burst from sea and sky Oh, from rivers to the mountaintops We'd hear Christ be magnified Here we go, sing it out Singing, oh, Christ be magnified, just let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody And every human heart its native cry oh, Then in one enraptured hymn of praise We see Christ be magnified Oh, be magnified Oh, Christ be magnified, just let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. Singing, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. I'll stand strong and worship you If it puts me through the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too And I won't be formed by feelings I hold fast to what is true If the cross brings transformation I'll be crucified with you Death is just a doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you in your eyes. And in you return in glory with all the angels and the saints. My heart will still be singing. My song will be the same. Christ be magnified, just let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Sing it oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. One more time, oh Christ. And oh, Christ be magnified. Just let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. Sing it, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Be magnifying us. God. 
be magnified in us. I pray that you would use us, that you'd be glorified through us, Jesus. And God, as they're saying earlier, all praise to the Lord Most High. God, we just lift our voices to you today. We lift our hearts, our songs, our hands to you in surrender. We want to bring everything we are to you. We want to have an encounter with you today, God. We lay it all down to you, Jesus. Yes, it's all to you, all the honor and glory and praise to you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you guys take a seat? Good. Oh, wow. I'm going to just fall off the stage. We'll try not to do that. Good morning. That was better. We, we were sounding very quiet when Dan greeted us earlier. I think we've woken up a little bit after worship. Um, well, my name is Carissa, and I just want to welcome you here to Sunrise this morning. Isn't it beautiful outside? We were just walk, taking a hike yesterday. It's so gorgeous outside. And just as we were singing this morning and um, singing to God and just thinking of his beauty all around us, um, it's just a privilege that we get to be together. And uh, I'm glad that we can. Um, if you are visiting for the first time this morning, I, we just want to give you a special welcome and thank you for checking us out. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. And if you would be so brave a little bit later on to stop in the lobby at the uh, table there, we'll have somebody there to just answer any questions you have, um, welcome you, and we just want to make you feel comfortable here this morning. Um, if you are watching online, I'm sure there's already probably that link in the comments, and you can click on that, take you right to our website, find out more information, and also if you answer a few questions, then we'll just send a little gift your way. If you're here in person, we'll give you a gift there at the uh, table in the lobby. Um, also, anybody can go to the website or the app and find all of the announcements that I'm about to highlight and other exciting things coming up. Um, you probably saw, or maybe didn't, but maybe saw this handout in the lobby. We have officially begun our Thanksgiving food drive this morning. We are partnering with Love Your Neighbor, and there's a list in the lobby there that you can take, and you can drop off your donations anytime for the next few weeks, um, and it just highlights some of the key items that we are looking for. Also, coming up on November 7 is the next Pub Theology. So that's for all the guys to get together and hang out and uh, enjoy what's left of the leaves at that point because you'll be hanging out in the Matices backyard. So check that out if you've gone regularly or you never have before. Um, and it's just a great time for guys to get together and um, get to know each other, talk a little bit about some theology, but also just spend time together. Finally, we have the chili cook-off and bake-off coming up in just a couple of weeks, Saturday, November 11. And this was a lot of fun last year. We ended up with a huge spread of chilies and a bunch of different baked goods, more food than you could want. So if you want to participate, um, you can. Adults can enter the chili cook-off. Kids can enter the baked goods portion, but you also can just come and eat a lot of good food and cast your little chips and vote for the winners. Um, if possible, we'd love it if you register by November 8. Um, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to invite anybody to show up. So, But if you want to participate and be a part of that, um, register on the events page by November 8. In just a moment here, we're going to move to a little transition time. We're going to be able to have some time to get up, say hello to each other, or escape to the lobby and get some coffee. Um, we're also going to be dismissing kids at that time to Sunrise Kids. 
But we also just want to take that moment to um, remind you that we are giving of our tithes and offering. And while we don't do that in a formal way, passing a basket anymore, we've got the box in the back or by the back doors where you can give. You can also give online, or if you want to be old school, you can still send a check to the church, and they will get it that way too. But take a moment, stand up, say hello, hello to some people around you, and thanks for joining us. All right, good morning. If you could make your way back to your seats. Today, we are going to be finishing up uh, our sermon series uh, on prayer. Uh, Prayer is listening. And we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture, probably to many of us, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. But before we do that, would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, we are thankful for today. We're thankful for the ability that we have to to gather here to worship you and to be with one another. Father, there are many needs that are on our hearts and our minds this morning, and we pray for Grace and Tim Bosma today, and we thank you for your work of healing and restoration that you have done over the last couple of weeks. We thank you for the medical team, for the continued health and strength for them. Lord, we pray for the Breen family as they continue to walk through uncertain times. Lord, with Kent and with Jake, we ask that you would walk with them and carry them along. Lord, we pray for those who are experiencing loss in a variety of ways, whether it's the the loss of a job or the loss of health due to sickness or the loss of a loved one, Lord, or the loss of a purpose because of a recent change. Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and those who stand in harm's way, both Israeli and Palestinian, Father. We pray for those in our family who are in the midst of seasons of stress and transition, for those that are buying homes or those that are in the midst of relationship changes. Lord, for families that are expanding, for marriages that are just starting out and for marriages that or on rocky ground. Lord, we pray for Eli as he is going on deployment to the Middle East. We pray for our empty nesters. We pray for those who feel crushed by the busyness of life. We pray that you would give them strength to set boundaries and to say no. We pray for those who feel trapped in isolation and loneliness. We pray that that you would give them the strength to walk across the room, to, to open up their lives and and their hearts to those that are around them. Give us eyes to see those who need a smile, a handshake, and a hug. Father, we pray for our kids and those who teach them and care for them. We pray for those who parent and guide them. God, give our children keen minds and open hearts. We pray that you would watch over them. We pray for our high schoolers and our college students that you would give them purpose and strength, that you would provide for them strong relationships. We pray that they would find their people and that those people would surround them with love and compassion and kindness, that they would learn what it means to work hard and to take time to care for themselves and others. Lord, we pray for the wayward. We pray that the lost would be found, that the wanderer would be restored, that the prodigal would come to her senses, that the hidden would be seen, that those who are in places of desolation could experience your peace and your presence. This morning, Father, we weep with those who weep, but we also laugh and experience joy with those who laugh. So, Father, we pray that you would give us joy that goes beyond our circumstances, that you would give us hope that's built not upon our abilities, but upon your resurrection. So, God, we thank you. We thank you for all the good gifts that you've given. We pray all this in the mighty and the strong and the powerful name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen. Amen. This morning as we jump into 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's it's interesting because this, this, um, 
This passage is one that's probably very familiar to, to, to most of you, but it kind of jumps into the middle of Samuel's story. You see, Samuel didn't just pop out of thin air. He came from his parents, as probably most of us would say that we did. Um, some, I look around and I'm like, test tube, maybe. Um, <laughs> But there was a man whose name was Elkanah, and he had a wife. Actually, Elkanah had two wives. Now, again, we don't have time to get into this today, but just understand this is not ideal, and this is not an invitation to any of us to try something new and innovative, um, which may be the understatement of the century. Uh, it just was what it was. Elkanah had two wives, and one of his wives uh, had no children, and the other did, Hannah. Hannah was his wife, his beloved wife, and she had no children. Um, Hannah actually means grace, which is ironic coming from this story. And Elkanah loved his wife, Hannah. And so every year when they would go to the temple to offer sacrifices, he would give his beloved wife, Hannah, an extra sacrifice. And she would pray that the Lord would allow her to give birth to a child. You see, my friends, in this context, childbearing uh, was an essential part of what it meant to be a woman and what it meant to be a faithful Israelite. Well, after a season of time and after several sacrifices, the Lord was faithful and God's people said, yay. yay. That was really, really weak, but I appreciate the effort. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Um, Hannah gave the child to the Lord and dedicated him to God's service. That was this boy named Samuel. And when he was old enough, she sent him away to the ancient Israelite equivalent of boarding school, uh, which was the temple, uh, where he could apprentice under the priest Eli. This leads us to the passage that we read today. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. And one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming weak, um, becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. I, I want to stop here and make just a quick observation. Um, I just bought a, a new fantasy series that I'm reading, and I was laying in bed reading this the other night, and I realized that I can't read without my glasses on anymore. And this means that Eli, my friends, was old. <laughs> and the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. Hold on to that, where the ark of, the God, where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. And so he went and lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And now Samuel did not know, uh, did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And Eli, Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there. And called as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning, from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and they failed to restrain themselves. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Such an uplifting story. <laughs> right? What everybody wants to hear, what every young boy, probably a young tween or teenage boy wants to hear is to go and tell your mentor, judgment is coming. 
But the thing I find it interesting, or most interesting, of this passage starts out, folks, and where I want us to begin today is right at the very beginning of the passage where it says that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Maybe the first place that I want us to start out today when we're talking about sort of this supernatural encounter of, of God coming and speaking to Samuel in this voice in the temple and those kinds of things is I want us to be reminded that the Lord isn't obligated to say more than he's already said. So often in our lives, or I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, right? We long for those encounters, right? We long for the rainbow and we long for the burning bush and we long for the Lord to speak. We long for him to be clear. But the reality is most of the challenges that we face, the Lord has already spoken and told us enough in order to use the brains that he's given us to follow him and to do his will. You see, the reality is, my friends, that God has spoken and what he has said through the scriptures and through Jesus is enough. But sometimes, I'll just be honest, I don't listen. He needs to speak a little bit louder and a little more clearly. If we jump down to verse 11, right, this, this kind of helps us to cycle through and to figure out what was going on here, where, where the word actually comes to Samuel and says, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle and that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be anointed for by sacrifice or offering." This is the word that Samuel heard. Now, now again, a little bit more backstory. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 26, um, we, we see something that's, that's very, it, this is really interesting. The text actually says, Eli's sons were scoundrels. Ooh. How would you like that, right? How would you like, not only does God write your name in the Bible, what he says is, they're scoundrels. Right? And they had no regard for the Lord. Uh, the context of this was that they were literally stealing from the people who would come to make sacrifices. Right? They were stealing choice parts of meat. They were, were, were not functioning in their priestly function. Uh, verse 17 of chapter 2 says, The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, and they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Verse 22. Now, Eli, who was very old, again, there it is, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. This chapter of Chronicles, how one of the prophets actually came to Eli to tell him about what was going on with his sons. Right? Well, how did he, he know? He probably knew through the grapevine, but it was also very clear that someone had actually come and told him, hey, this is what's going on not only in your house, but in the house of the Lord. Hophni and Phinehas, your boys, are doing are doing things and they're, actually, they're going to encounter judgment if something doesn't stop. Well, Eli, for one reason or another, isn't able to hear this message. You see, the Lord has spoken. He's spoken in several ways at this point, right? He's spoken through the Torah. He's spoken through the law. He's spoken through the prophet. Hophni and Phinehas know what they're doing is wrong. Eli knows what they're doing is wrong. And God, in this time, in this place where visions are very rare, it says, comes to the boy Samuel in order to speak one more time to get his point across. But the thing that I'm struck by, you guys, is that God did this over and over again, he communicated what his will was, but the reality is that he didn't have to. Have you ever thought about that? 
it's like the old story of, of, of the guy who um, there's a flood and he climbs up to the second and, and, and the flood water's raised and he climbs up to the second story and, and the local DNR guy comes by in a, in a little boat and says get in the boat I'll save you he's like God's going to save me right and, and then it, it, it gets higher and higher and he goes up into the attic and then like a, 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 another larger uh, National Guard boat comes by and he's out of the little attic window and he says get in the boat and he says no God's going to save me he gets on the roof and the helicopter comes by right same kind of a thing no God's going to save me he dies in the flood and he gets up to the pearly gates and he says God why didn't you save me and God said I sent two boats and a helicopter <laughs> right, we, we, we find ourselves right in Sort of in a, in a similar space. People know what's right to do. And, and, and see, here, here's the thing, you guys. Is so often we, we look for these supernatural communications when God has already told us things that we ought to know. And, and, and I'm kind of reminded of, of this, is that when we look through the scriptures and when we, even when we look around uh, in the church in our own life, uh, not everyone, not every generation gets an ark followed by a rainbow. Not everyone gets the child in their old age, as Abraham and Sarah did. Not everyone gets a vision of a ladder going to heaven or a vision of fatted cows being eaten by skinny ones. Not everyone gets a burning bush or experiences the parting of a sea or a river. Not everyone gets a voice coming from a mountain or a gentle whisper beckoning them from the cave. Sometimes... In the world in which we live, we get to march back to Jerusalem with Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. But sometimes we're hauled off to Babylon with Daniel and his three friends. We don't get to choose the time in which we live. But we do get to choose how we respond and how we follow the Lord in those uncertain times. Not every generation, not every person gets the answer that they're looking for or longing for. And as we look in Samuel's case, not every preacher gets to choose the kind of message he or she gets to deliver. Sometimes the message is, yea, God. And sometimes the message is repent of our sins. But as human beings who exist inside of time and space, one of the things that we can sort of identify with, with Samuel and those who were in his day, is that sometimes we wait. Sometimes we, we, we wait a lifetime for God to give us what he's promised. Sometimes we wait generations in Egypt before he raises up a deliverer. Sometimes we spend 40 years in the desert before we're ready to cross the river and arrive into the promised land. And in the waiting, in that waiting, we're asked to trust God, to do his, his will. One of my favorite passages is, is, is rather obscure, and, and, and it's, this may seem kind of weird um, when I say this, but Joshua chapter 4, uh, verses 8 and 9 um, are obviously written after the events, right? One of the things they teach you when you get to seminary is that quite often when you read the scripture, there's this... Um, um, it, it, it's like, it's like a, uh, what's it called? It's, it's, a, it's a, an editor that comes along and, and explains some things, right? And so the story is being told as if it's happening in real time, but then there often will come along a, a, a little sort of snippet that will let you know that this is being written down sort of after the fact. And what's interesting in Joshua is that we find this this one of these editors inside the text. And he's talking about this. He's talking about when God brings them across the, the River Jordan into the promised land. They've spent this 40 years. They've spent this time of waiting. They've waited, they've waited, they've waited. And now this new generation God has raised up. And he says, okay, now listen, you will finally listen to me. And when you listen to me and you do what I say, now you are prepared to inherit the land of promise. And he does this miracle of bringing them across the Jordan River, very reminiscent 
reminiscent to the miracle that he did with their parents and their grandparents in getting them out of Egypt. And he brings them across and he gives them instruction to pick up 12 stones, one from every tribe, and they carry them across the river and they stack them up and they make a monument. Folks, this is, this is partly why I've got my shelf in my office. Is that stories are better with props. If you can take people places. Well, well in this passage, it, it, it says this. It says, Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at that spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And this last little sentence, and they are there to this very day. You see, this writer is looking back and he's saying, this happened, and we don't know whether it was a month before or whether it was two months before, whether it was 10 years before, whether it was 20 years before. But what he's saying is, you can go back and you can look at this spot. You can see that time and that space where God was faithful. The point here, folks, is that sometimes we wait and sometimes we have to look back and see God's faithfulness because we as human beings have a tendency to forget in the dark what we learned in the light. But while we wait, what do we do while we wait? And I, I think this is, this is really, really important for us to grapple with. Early in the passage, it, it tells us something about Samuel's proximity or where he was. It says, Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, the house of the Lord, we, we, uh, the temple represented all kinds of things, and the Ark of the Covenant represented all kinds of things, but, but mainly the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence in and among the people, and the temple communicated all kinds of things. The temple was the place where the people would go to essentially find peace with God, to, to find forgiveness of their sin. I've put it this way for years, is that how the, the, the community of Israel related to the temple is the temple, and specifically the Ark of the Covenant, was a testament to God's people that God is here and God is holy. You are there and you are sinful. Stay away. We needed an intermediary to come and to make sacrifices for us. But what was, what was Samuel doing as someone who was apprenticing to the priest Eli? It says that Samuel was in the house of the Lord. This is where he lived. This is where he stayed. This is where he slept. And he was sleeping. And he was sleeping not just in the temple. He was in proximity to the ark of God. He was near, as near as someone who was not the high priest could get, presumably, to the holy place of God. What do we do while we wait? What do we do when God hasn't spoke? What do we do when we've prayed, we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and God hasn't given us an answer? What do we do? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to understand that we need to draw near to God's presence. We need to be as near as we can to God's presence. One of the things that I said a couple of weeks ago at mom's funeral was that sometimes what often happens is when we face times of great loss is that can tempt us to do one of two things. Is we can either, when we experience great loss and we feel like that God isn't there and we feel like that, that he's not hearing us or he's not giving us what we need is we can be tempted to become bitter and to run from his presence. Right? And we've all seen that happen. But we've also seen that happen is when people come in these times of great need and great longing where, where they don't feel like they have what they need from the Lord, right? Instead of running away from God, the better course of action is to run near him because in the case of what my family and I have endured over the last couple of months, my friend, is that I find great comfort in the fact that God knows what it's like to lose a family member. He knows what it's like to lose somebody he loves. Mm. So while we wait, while we listen, how do we listen? Well, the first thing is, is that we, we draw near to God's presence. And we, we ask ourselves questions like, am I in a position to hear? We ask ourselves questions like, do I really want God or do I simply want an answer for the question that plagues me? Because the reality is, friends, like Job, we may never get the answer to the question of why. But, but at the end of Job, Job doesn't get an answer. He gets God's very presence. We ask questions like, 
do I want God or do I want the knowledge of God that seems to be eluding me? Sometimes we wait. But friends, in the waiting, God gives us time and opportunity to listen. To ask, God, what are you up to? You see, the second thing that we see is that not only did Samuel position himself to where he was near, the God, near God's presence, but he also listened intently for his voice, even when he didn't know what he was listening for. Can you imagine how jarring that first thing would have been? Samuel, he jumps up, he runs to Eli. Eli says he didn't. I wonder if Samuel thought, are you gaslighting me, old man? I wonder what, what, what Samuel thought. And then after a couple of times, um, and again, friends, this is really interesting. Samuel never figured it out. How did he figure out that it was God that was calling? It wasn't him. It was his mentor. It was the old man that was like, ah, hey, this is what's going on. No, no, no we find ourselves in a place where, where we listen intently for God's voice. And my friends, we can't listen intently when we're surrounded by the noise and the chaos and the chatter of the world that exists all around us. Do you have enough courage to quiet the chatter and to silence the noise, to simply listen? Do you have the courage to sit in the quiet and to say and to pray that prayer that Samuel was instructed to pray by Eli? I'm here. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Do you take the time and make the necessary plans to give yourself an opportunity to sit in God's presence. Because I know what some of you are thinking, especially those of you that have children, those of you that have full-time jobs, as you're looking at me, working moms of elementary age children, you're looking at me right now and you're saying, old man, tell me where I'm gonna find five minutes. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah. Right? Friends, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's all that it is. Maybe it's that five minutes after you have fought the children for three and a half hours to get them into bed. The point here is that are we listening intently for his voice? Are we willing to listen even if God chooses not to speak? If you're like me, you get tired of listening, right? Ten minutes in, you're like, ah, God never says anything. I don't know why I do this. But then maybe the $100,000 question is, well, well then it's how do we recognize God's voice when he, when he does speak? One of the things that I think that I've found that, that is true of Samuel that's been true in my life is that, friends, often God's voice is familiar yet distinct. God's voice often sounds like my own, but the difference is, is that it doesn't originate with me. God's voice may sound like my inner monologue, but it calls me to a place of, of peace, of safety, of hope, of joy, of comfort, of reckless dependence. It says things to me that I probably am unlikely to say to myself in the times where I feel hurried and where I feel like I'm not enough. The voice of God often speaks rest. I find that with me many times as with Samuel, God's voice sounds like mentors and loved ones from the past. It sounds like that hard-fought wisdom that comes from riding this rock around the sun for several decades. God's voice, my friend, sounds like the scriptures. Referring back to the first few minutes of the message, God didn't tell Samuel anything that Eli's sons didn't already know. They knew. But maybe here's the, the advantage that you and I have that maybe Samuel didn't have is that 
Friends, God's voice always, always, always sounds like Jesus. It never says, as Job's wife said to him, curse God and die. It never tells us to abuse or oppress another human being for our own amusement or the satisfaction of our own appetites. It never tells us to turn a blind eye to injustice. God's voice always sounds like Jesus. And folks, at least in my own life, God's voice often calls to me from within the darkness. (laughs) It's not just the stillness. but it's from within the darkness. He speaks. I'm still here. You're still loved. Don't give up. Take one more step. I'll be with you. Remember that pile of stones. For me, right, the voice of God, like Samuel, beckons in several ways. And maybe the voice of God is, is, is saying some things to us today when it comes to our, our prayer life. And maybe one of the things that he's saying, draw near My friends, draw near to where you know God is. Create space. Even if it's a small crack or amount of space. Can I speak to the the parents of of, of young kids for for just a minute? Believe me, I know we've walked through that. um, We've we've walked through, through that season. And what I find really interesting at this point in my life is that now that Amy and I are on the cusp of being empty nesters, I am uh, wondering what I'm going to do. So I'm not just, because I'm no longer chasing around my own children, um, I chase around some of yours. (laughs) Right? I, I, I chase them on football fields and in band competitions, right? I, I, I drive to Zealand twice over the last two days, right? Because I, I, I don't have a child, but I've adopted one that I get to watch and hang out with, right? So this idea of drawing near, God, God, God tells us, he asks us, he wants, right? And that's the thing, this is all about relationship. Prayer, my friends, isn't about getting what we want. It's about drawing near to God. It's about hearing him. It's about creating space. It's about even in those moments to have the courage to embrace the quiet so we can hear what God says. And many times what he says may not be easy, but it is. Is good and he invites us into spaces of greater intimacy with himself and he tells us to listen listen to the things my friends that God has already said in those moments of quiet maybe it's what you have to give in that day is you can read a passage of scripture and as you read you say speak Lord your servant is listening it's listen remembering that sometimes the voice of God sounds like many mentors and loved ones from the past and maybe sometimes listening to God might look like meditating on some of those conversations that you had with mom and dad or a mentor or the person that led you to Christ or grandma or grandpa when they told you something that was especially true or powerful or remembering what it was like to walk through catechism or profession of faith with that faithful mentor or the person that prayed that prayer of salvation with you or that faithful pastor that loved you while you were were growing up. Maybe it's meditating on some of the things that that man or woman told you. Maybe, just maybe, the voice of God will meet you in that space. It's about listening and trusting that God's voice, my friends, always, always, always sounds like Jesus.
As the worship team comes and as we close with our song, today my hope for each of you is that if, as we've talked over the last few weeks uh, about prayer and, and, and there's been an awful lot of talking and probably not quite enough praying that it would, it would challenge us as we are in our small groups and as we are in our closets, as we are alone, as we are with each other, it would challenge us to maybe make the prayer, maybe make prayer not a last resort, but a first work. And today, the hope is that maybe we could understand that prayer isn't about activity so much as it is about pressing into the presence of God and listening to what he has to say to us. As with any conversation and as with any relationship, oftentimes listening is the best thing that you can do to learn about the other person. So draw near, create space, embrace quiet, and listen. Listen to the voice of God, even when what he calls us to do may not be easy. So Father, we are thankful. for your love today, for your grace, and for your mercy. And we pray that we would seek you with our whole hearts. That we would be a, a people who would embrace and embody the prayer of, of Samuel that he was instructed to pray by Eli. That you would speak because we're listening. Help us to hear and encounter your voice in a myriad of ways so that we might do your will and follow closely and hard after Jesus. In whose name we pray. start before the beginning of time with no point of reference you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light and as you speak In galaxies are born In the vapor of your breath The planets form If the stars were made to worship So will I I can see your heart In everything you've made Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. God of your promise. You don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and signs follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, Hundred billion creatures catch your breath Evolving in pursuit of what you said If it all reveals your nature, so will I I can see it all, all things you say 
Every pain is sky, a canvas of your grace. If creation still obeys you, so will I. Let's stand together. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. So will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still fall shy, then we'll sing again a hundred You chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. I want to hear you created the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, Hundred billion failures disappear When you lost your life So I could find it here If you left the grave behind you So will I I can see your heart In everything you've done Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you die to save. Give you life to love him, so will I. Like you would again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. There are a couple of parts of verses in this passage that, that I want to consider as we, we go from this place today. That the first one is, is, is this. It says that in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never heard a message from him before. My friends, maybe today is the first time that anyone has ever told you that you can hear from the Lord through the scriptures, through the saints, through the work of the Holy Spirit that's, that's in your life. But listening is a huge part of our relational prayer life. 
with God. Just and, and so what I want you to know is that just because you haven't heard doesn't mean that God isn't speaking. The second thing, and, this, and I want us to get this, is that quite often when we read passages like this, we automatically put ourselves in, in, in sort of the place of Samuel. Because, I mean, let's be honest, who wants to be Eli and then his two um, scoundrel sons? Right? But, but in a very real sense, I, I sort of feel like that my job today hasn't been the job of Samuel, it's been the job of Eli. To tell you that God loves you <laughs> to stay near his presence to seek the quiet spaces where he wants to meet you and to listen and when you hear that voice maybe it sounds like a mentor of the past or maybe it jogs something in your memory to in that moment to press in and to and to say speak lord your servant is listening and then to test that message does it sound like the scriptures does it sound like faithful saints of the past does it sound like jesus then, but then before we go, the, 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 maybe some of us, and let's be honest, we're, we're not Samuel, we're not Eli. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I'm Hophni and Phinehas. And, and that last little part of, of verse 14 really is, is sort of shocking where, where, where it says, And so I vow that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven. And you're thinking, well, that's it. You just sort of throw your hands up in the air. But, but again, let's finish the verse. It says, By sacrifices or offerings... You see, friends, it says nothing about repentance. It says nothing about the blood of Jesus. You see, maybe there's some of us here that we're counting on religious rituals to change our hearts, and, and that just doesn't work. But maybe the call is to head in a different direction. Yeah, it's true. Sacrifices and offerings would not have... The sins of Hophni and Phinehas weren't taken care of by sacrifices and offerings because they were done with dirty and unrepentant hands. But if their hearts would have changed, what might God have done? So, care for your heart. Listen for the voice of the Spirit. And continue to head towards Jesus. So, God, we pray your blessing on these friends. May you speak. May we listen. In the mighty and the strong and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Go in his peace.